lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre and all of you at 888-900-3393. That's 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show, over on Parlor at Steve Dace, and check out our new YouTube page, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. Keep that phone number, though, handy. Our Monday Town Hall is coming up next hour. We're going to open up the phone lines, and the question is, it's 30 days, actually 29, but we're going with 30 because it's a nice benchmark. 30 days until the 2020 election. It is 80 days until Christmas, by the way. Was at Walmart late last week. Had like the Christmas section out already. It was glorious. It was glorious. So as many things as 2020 has ruined, it still has not ruined your irrational looking forward to Christmas when we've barely turned the corner into fall. If anything, only it- <laughs> it's made it more so. We could use a little Christmas right now, as the song says, I think. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Um, so make sure you keep the phone number handy, 888-900-3393, because next hour for the Monday Town Hall, 30 days to go. We're looking for one big thought or one big question, all right? One big thought or one big question you have about or for this election with 30 days to go. And I'm going to get one big thought from both you two as well as myself, next hour, we're all going to offer up our own as well. All right. One big thought with 30 days to go. We'll get to that coming up next hour in the Monday town hall. Also, our good friend, Bob Vanderplotz will be joining us here at the bottom of the hour. We'll get his take on where things stand with the election 30 days out. He's doing some get out the vote work across the country. Uh, some get out the vote initiatives as we speak. We'll find out what they're doing, how that is going. Also want to remind you that my new book is coming out on December the 15th. It's the novella sequel to A Nefarious Plot, which Amazon just did a massive reorder of that book because we have sold so many uh, with the movie coming uh, and, and the book uh, study that we just started for Theology Thursday. So my kids are thankful. Thank you guys for that. Amazon just made a, another big purchase of a nefarious plot. The sequel book, A Nefarious Carol, coming your way December the 15th. My kids would appreciate you getting your pre-order of that in as well so that you get it for whoever you're buying it for, yourself or anybody else, just in time for Christmas, A Nefarious Carol, releasing on December the 15th. Before we get to all of that, though, before we find out what you think, we find out what Bob Vanderplatz thinks, let's find out from Aaron what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by a weekend of intrigue and mystery surrounding the health of the president of the United States. As best as I can tell, here's a timeline of how things went down surrounding President Trump's COVID positive diagnosis. Over the weekend, late Thursday night into early Friday morning, President Trump announced he and First Lady Melania Trump tested positive for the virus. Late in the afternoon on Friday, the White House announced President Trump would be transported to Walter Reed Medical Center, quote, out of an abundance of caution. Before he left for Walter Reed, he released this video. I think I'm doing very well. But we're going to make sure that things work out. On Saturday morning, Trump's physician provided an update to the media. At this time, the team and I are extremely happy with the progress the president has made. 
Thursday, he had a mild cough and some nasal congestion and fatigue, all of which are now resolving and improving. Right after that press conference, an anonymous White House source, later deduced to be Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, told reporters, quote, the president's vitals over the last 24 hours were very concerning and the next 48 hours will be critical in terms of his care. We're still not on a clear path to a full recovery. On Saturday night, President Trump provided another update. Uh, I came here, wasn't feeling so well. I feel much better now. We're working hard to get me all the way back. I have to be back because we still have to make America great again. On Sunday morning, Trump's physician provided more specifics. Late Friday morning when I returned to the bedside, the president had a high fever and his oxygen saturation was transiently dipping below 94%. Given these two developments, I was concerned for possible rapid progression of the illness. I recommended the president we try some supplemental oxygen, see how he'd respond. He was fairly adamant that he didn't need it. He was not short of breath. He was tired, had the fever, and that was about it. And after about a minute, on only two liters, his saturation levels were back over, 40, over 95%. Later that day, by the time the team here was at the bedside, president had been up out of bed moving about the residence with only mild symptoms. Despite this, everyone agreed the best course of action was to move to Walter Reed for more thorough evaluation and monitoring. On Sunday afternoon, President Trump provided another video update from Walter Reed. I learned a lot about COVID. I learned it by really going to school. This is the real school. This isn't the let's read the book school. And I get it and I understand it. And it's a very interesting thing, and I'm going to be letting you know about it. And he even went so far as to drive in a car outside the hospital to wave to his gathered supporters. This morning, and according to Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, the plan is to discharge President Trump from Walter Reed today and send him back to the White House. So there's the timeline. Now on to the reaction. We could fill the rest of the show with the grotesque, ghoulish, and exceedingly unsurprising reactions from the left to the news President Trump was hospitalized with COVID but this clip from Jake Tapper, I think, perfectly sums it up. Sick and in isolation, Mr. President, you have become a symbol of your own failures. Failures of recklessness, ignorance, arrogance. The same failures you have been inflicting on the rest of us. LA Times op-ed, when Reagan was shot, country rallied around, but he hadn't spent months downplaying assassins. A morning consult poll of 900 registered voters found 40% of Democrats were either somewhat or very happy when they found out Trump tested positive for coronavirus. In other coronavirus news, it's been revealed that the Centers for Disease Control argued against closing the country's borders back in March, saying that there wasn't evidence doing so would slow transmission of the virus. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer says she's going to continue her power grab in the state after the Michigan Supreme Court ruled that she'd overstepped her constitutional bounds and broken laws in her emergency declaration for the pandemic. Moving on, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell indicated late last week he's open to confirming Amy Coney Barrett during the lame duck session of Congress between the election and the new term. Confirmation hearings are still set to go on as scheduled starting on the 12th of this month. In North Carolina, Democratic Senate candidate Cal Cunningham has admitted to sending sexual text messages to a woman who wasn't his wife. 
but he said he's not dropping out of his race against GOP incumbent Tom Tillis. In Iowa, incumbent Senator Joni Ernst lambasted her Democratic challenger Teresa Greenfield at a debate. So here is Miss Greenfield, who has been sued many times for shoddy workmanship, use of inferior materials in her businesses. Um, she's been sued for breach of contract. She is a handpicked candidate from Nancy Pelosi two years ago when she couldn't make it on the ballot because of felony election fraud. She's someone who filed for bankruptcy, sticking it to Iowa businesses to the tune of $29 million. Senator I Joni Ernst, you are so dishonest. You can go onto the internet, shocking. you can see Just all shocking. of the documents. The documents are there, folks. Why on earth would we take someone that has this record of dishonesty and failed business leadership to the United States Senate? In South Carolina, Senator Lindsey Graham's Democratic challenger brought a plexiglass panel to a debate to protect himself from the Rona, I guess. Viewership numbers for the NBA Finals have tanked. Viewership for Game 1 last week dropped from 45% from the year before and down 58% from two years ago. We've got another fake hate crime for you. 18-year-old Althea Bernstein of Madison, Wisconsin, claimed in June that a group of four white males attacked her while she was driving through a protest in her city, doused her with a flammable liquid, and then lit her on fire. Naturally, she was the subject of numerous national media outlets portraying her as a victim of a hate crime. But on Friday, police in Madison said they were closing the case after they were unable to corroborate her story. In their 150-page report, they documented extensive interviews and surveillance video to come to their conclusion that the attack did not occur as Bernstein reported it. They also said that an arson dog was unable to find any evidence of her story in the car and that they noted the car was not damaged at all in the attack. And finally, a leading contender for dog video of the year. <laughs> and that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's montage brought to you by Keeps. Have you noticed your hair isn't looking as full as it used to? Yeah, losing your hair is no fun, so let's talk about options. You can go to your doctor for a hair loss treatment prescription, then visit the pharmacy. Try not to, though, avoid going broke while you try to avoid going bald. Or you can try Keeps from the comfort of your own home, and you're going to get the same doctor-recommended, FDA-approved hair loss treatment. But Keeps offers the generic versions for about half the cost. And one more thing you're going to love about Keeps is that it's all online. You just answer a few questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and then a licensed doctor will review your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you that's shipped discreetly to your door. So why make unnecessary trips and spend unnecessary expenses when you can just play for keeps instead? Let's get started with a special deal. How about going to keeps.com slash grow for 50% off your first order? At keeps.com slash grow, get 50% off at keeps.com slash grow for the overtime today we're going to ask a question what does somebody in washington have to do to get fired and we're going to look at the record of the director of the cdc robert redfield is that an important job these days it's sort of kind of you know there's been a lot of play on make america great again make this great again make that great again make tar and feathering great again i'm in on that i second all right. 
So we're going to get into that today in the overtime at blazetv.com slash dace. Again, that's blazetv.com slash dace. That's where you can go to watch the overtime today or subscribe to Blaze TV at a discount if you're not already a subscriber at blazetv.com slash dace. All right, let, let's get to the rest of what's in Aaron's montage. Because it is jam-packed and loaded. Um, Let's do a couple of quick hot takes. Somebody call 911. We've got a a 187. That's what Joni Ernst did to her Democratic opponent here in Iowa over the weekend. Wow. I mean, wow. Wow. She's good for one, apparently, every campaign, right? Every campaign, she knows how to create one viral moment. Yes, the squeal ad that got her elected in the first place, and now that. But that, and that, you know, Aaron asked me in the middle of that that clip, what is that look on Teresa Greenfield's face? That is, she's about to cry look, and trying to stop herself from crying. I mean, that, wow. Wow. I'll allow it. That was... And and the way that it was laid out too, dude, Tulsi Gabbard on Kamala Harris called and said, "Well done." I mean that that was the kind of takedown that you just want to watch over and over again. Actually, it is. May I just briefly devil's advocate? Like, sure. is, isn't it make it all the more frustrating that for six years she really has not? Oh, she has had a remarkable <laughs> yeah. run in yeah. the Senate. Yeah. She had, a, she had a phenomenal campaign ad that really Marco Rubio's people did for her. That's the squeal ad that went viral and all yeah. over the country. That got her elected. She was barely polling in double digits, and that took her to a Senate primary win and then ultimately to her Senate seat, right, uh, in 2014. She's had a largely unremarkable six years in the Senate, right? Yeah. But she does know how to do viral moments. I'll give her credit for that. Points for showmanship on that. Speaking of showmanship or a lack thereof, that those have to be the worst NBA Finals ratings since it was on tape delay. Golf clap. And Aaron's like, how long ago was that when Todd, you and I were little kids? In fact, it, the the very first NBA Finals that Doc that uh, Magic, Magic Johnson was in was Larry the last Bird, year. Right? Yeah. That was the last year. It was not Larry Bird. It was the um, it was the Seventy Sixers. They the Lakers beat the Seventy Sixers in Magic's first year. For the NBA championship. That was 1980. I believe that was the last time the NBA finals were on Hmm. tape delay. And after that, they went live. So this is, I got to think, it's the first time maybe since Bird Magic, the first time I've not watched game one of the NBA finals. Like, I, it's just not even on my radar at all. This is one of the many things I look at and shove into the hopper and see if this is happening how can another poll come out and biden be winning by 14 that's impossible with the nba tanking like that's an isn't am i wrong to consider that as a variable um not necessarily one of many yeah but how can that but, but, how can those two things be true well this is gonna this is a tease well first of all that poll throw that out Okay. Well, the, that's, the, a, the, that's the, an evergreen. The, the, <laughs> the record for a, a two party candidate in the post reconstruction era, all right? The record, or I'm sorry, the record in a two party race where there wasn't a third candidate, like 1912, where you had, where Taft had to face Teddy Roosevelt, or 1980, when Jimmy Carter had John Anderson, although he was actually trying to stop Ronald Reagan from winning the election. And he was attacking him from the left within the Republican Party. Uh, 1992 is a better example. George H.W. Bush with 
um, with Ross Perot. The, the record for an incumbent president post-Reconstruction in the two-party era. The record low for, a, for the popular vote for an incumbent president was, was Herbert Hoover's 39%. Now, Herbert Hoover had a Great Depression... We actually right now have a lower unemployment rate than we had when Barack Obama got reelected in 2012. Um, Donald Trump is polling at Reagan 84 levels with members of his own party. He is more popular with Republicans than George H.W. Bush was in 1992, for example. He cannot get 39%. Well, let me rephrase that. Depending on how many postage stamps exist in places like California, that's that is how it would occur. But normally there's a there's a means, you know. And I can't remember who did this math 20 years ago after Bush became the first person since the late 19th century to lose the popular vote, but win the electoral college. I think it was actually Dick Morris might have done this math, so check it. Um, but uh, I I think Dick Morris did the math back in 2000 that it. It would be basically impossible to lose the popular vote by more than two points and still win the Electoral College, given how that, that the vote is means and prorated. Now, we have a far more balkanized country than we do right now. And you throw mail-in voting in these, in these very, very blue states. Who knows how much fraud and everything goes on there? So throw all that math out the window. But it would take... Something like that. I mean, Trump lost California by 4 million votes in 2016. He won the other 49 states' popular votes by well over a million votes. So it would take California coming up with Putin level of voter turnout for Joe Biden, for Donald Trump to only get 39%. With where the unemployment rate is at, with the popularity of his own party, there was never even a thought of challenging him as a primary candidate. You know what I'm saying? He's not getting 39%, guys. That's just not happening, okay? So any of those kinds of polls, throw them out. Don't look at anything that says registered voters. That was, I think, the poll that you even talked about. Throw that out, okay? Um, it doesn't make sense. You're right. Unless, unless you're in a full-fledged civil war. But even then, you know, the NBA has given up. Remember when I said last year, I, maybe it was two years ago, when, the, when Nike started aggressively marketing Colin Kaepernick. And I told you, guys, I, I don't want to be that guy, but I don't know that it's going to hurt them as much as you think it's going to. Because I think Nike views their clientele as not people like us anymore. And whatever they sell to people like us is a bonus, Right. That I think they're in, an, in the they're selling to the other America, and sure enough, their stock price went through the hill. Right? Remember this? Yeah. Okay. Um. But even that doesn't play here because that indicates the NBA is losing viewership with its own America. Right? Like if it like if it stopped if it just is the NBA has just decided we're not customers anymore. It's not even trying. And any of us that tune in is a bonus to them. But the kinds of losses that they are suffering means that this has permeated their own their own their own their bubble. base. Yeah, within their own base is turning yeah. it off. Yeah, <clears throat> because that those are substantial numbers, obviously. So that is an interesting question that you ask. Yeah, how can both of those things be true? It wouldn't seem as if that they are. So thoughts on what happened over the weekend with the president's health. 
I'm going to do something, and then I want your take on it, okay? Okay. On on Friday, and I think I said this because we did this in the day group, right? One of the exit Correct. questions was if the election was today, who would win, right? It, well, then it was you said Biden. Yeah, 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 okay. And then we go home on Friday night, and the president gets hospitalized. And I think I tweeted out gold, yeah. okay? Like, this is every narrative, right? Tuesday at the debate, it's it's a douche-tastic event. And, of course, this lets them, this that's been their narrative, that he he's a child, he can't be president. And then he doesn't take the virus serious. That's their whole re-elect narrative on the, on the other side. That Trump's annoying and he didn't take the virus serious. That's their only, that's their narrative. And then, lo and behold, we have, we, we, we nail those two narratives. We affirm those two narratives for them in the span of one week. And I'm pretty gloomy. Okay. I want to suggest something that goes against the way I operate. But I'm wondering if it's where we are as a culture right now. Okay. Um, I mean, the video the president put out on, on Saturday was really good. I mean, really good. And yesterday's video was good too, but Saturday's was really, really good. But here's what I'm wondering. Do you think in in the other in the, in the America that used to exist, this would look like weakness, right? Right. What is this? The you're, you're being careful. The, so I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. The president being hospitalized. The 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 president needing a, needing an oxygen infusion or treatment. Okay. Um, this would, I mean, th- there's a reason why you never saw FDR in a wheelchair. Okay. I think I know. Okay. I, Lyndon Johnson was hospitalized w- during, bef- right before he left office, he was hospitalized for the Hong Kong flu. And it's like in the New York times in a column, like the column is like the, the story. It's like this big, like at the bottom of the first page in the corner. Okay. Back in 1968, I think it was like December or something. I, dude, if if it helps on November third, I will take it. But I do, I don't necessarily like what this may mean if I'm right. I am wondering, and I haven't tweeted this out. This is the first time I'm going to air this opinion is right now, and it's not even opinion. It's it's an observational it's question. A, it's a crazy voice in your head. Okay. I am wondering if we have become so feminized as a culture that on Friday night, I was I was asking myself, what's the Wi-Fi like? Could we build a studio in South Dakota? Okay. Um, Ron DeSantis' Florida is looking pretty good. Okay. Because this thing's OVA. OVA. O-V-A-H. OVA. 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 Okay. That's what my internal voice that wants to win on November 3rd was thinking. Okay. I mean, it's over. I am wondering, are we so feminized as a culture that taking the strong, overbearing Trump persona down a peg or two 
and seeing him in a hospital room and getting treatments. And doctors wearing fleets of masks outside in the sun. Could this actually help? Oh, I absolutely think it could help. Uh, I, I'm Listen, I'll take the W, I, man. But I will take the W, but I am concerned at what that may mean going forward, if you know what I'm trying to say. I didn't... I get everything else. Everything else you said, aside from Trump, as looking feminized, I get it. But I, I didn't see the whole Trump thing within that lens at all. But I'm fascinated... Uh, that you because are, this wasn't like self-deprecation. This was like I was brought down yes, by this. But okay, the, but let's face it. We that's something that had to happen to Donald. Trump. It's what I was begging for in the debates. The joyful warrior. You you just saw happy Grandpa Trump, like grateful to be alive, and so yeah, America absolutely needed to see that version of trump okay okay now this i like better because he at least played a role in this i that, that was what the video projected on saturday you know kind of off the cuff and i will tell you guys in the in the almost year that i had access to him well actually it was a couple of years i had access to him that's what I saw all the time. I, I even told yeah. you this privately. I know like I never saw the the persona you guys see at rallies. I never saw that. I mean, I never saw it. Never had it on my. Sh- he was on my show a lot. Never, never communicated like that to me on my show. Never communicated to that like me, to me like individually. What I saw was much more like what you saw in the video on Saturday. Okay. Um, and if he did that for an hour and a half and, with Biden, and that's what always made me wonder which one is the real person. Sure. Because I just never saw that. Okay. And um, it, if you're telling me that. That it's an overall package of things because of the the way he's reacted to it, okay, with the videos and stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit more at ease about about it that way. But do you know what? I'm, do you understand why it would concern me that oh. I, that there's empathy and then there's feeling sorry for somebody? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and I just I'm concerned that our culture is so worked over by victimology that we have conflated these two things. And now, and now I feel so, I feel pity for you. And that's why I feel better. I feel better about you. That's not good, by the way. I think if it was what you were worried about, instead of seeing pictures of Trump at his desk signing papers and you would have seen him in a gown in a bed. Okay. Okay. So, so, so Aaron, what are your thoughts? You don't think that this, instead of actually confirming the narrative, as you were talking about, if Trump waltzes out of there, out of Walter Reed today, and comes back to the White House and is energetic, I mean, he seemed energetic. You could tell on Saturday night he, he sounded hoarse. But if he waltzes out of Walter Reed, doesn't that actually defeat their narrative? A guy who's slightly o- obese, who is in the yeah, most at-risk age group, yeah. and he beat COVID in, what, two, three days? Yeah, and Doesn't that home. actually demolish their arguments? The, the likes of Tapper, Aaron and I were talking about this before you came, the likes of Tapper, and you saw a lot of what I believe to be just feigned confidence about yeah, Trump's getting, I think they're terrified right now. I really do. That this, th- 
they can't they know they can't control this if he walks out of there and if this whole laundry list of whatever how many people have it now Mike yep. Lee none of them are they're, they're all older than you and me Steve but if they if everybody walks away from this healthy well, it's like and what's no happened it's like it's what I try to say about pro sports there yeah. there's two these people are too high profile you can't I lie know. about this I know you're gonna know whether they're dead or not you're gonna know whether they're hospitalized or not you're gonna yes, know, I know right and same thing with these people at the exact same time all right. What happens if he walks out of there today or first thing tomorrow morning triumphantly, but then has to go back in in 48 hours? Oh, what happens then? That's bad. That's bad. That's, okay. We're right back where we were last week. I mean, if this thing gets dragged out. Yeah, it's. In other words, your advice would be don't walk out of there until you're sure that you've beaten it then. Because going back in, spending an extra day is not nearly as bad as having to go back in a couple of days later, right? Yeah, that because that's my yes, analysis. But it's we're a month away, man. I mean, this is you might just have to roll the dice. I'm just saying. all right. I'm a little. You made me feel better. Okay, listen. Like I said, I I will take the W if that's what it takes to get the W. I'll take it. I just don't want to be that. I don't want pity to be what it takes to get the W because that that doesn't speak well for us as a culture moving forward. But if you're telling me that he it humbled him and then he expressed that humility in, in self deprecation and warmness. Uh, and warmth in the video that he, particularly that he put out Saturday. I'm a little bit okay. I, I feel a little better about that. Like, can you see why I might be a little bit concerned oh, that we're like? I can see. Okay, pity is now because we 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 can't win long term if victimology is is this marketable. Agreed. All right, and I'm that's what had me concerned. Okay, All right. thank you, thank you for putting me at ease, Todd. I appreciate that. It's Monday, Todd. Monday. <laughs> All right, we'll come back. Our good friend Bob Vanderplatz is going to join us. We'll get his perspective on where things stand. 30 days to go next year on Blaze TV radio and podcast. So what does COVID-19 have to do with potentially losing your home? Well, it could turn out, sadly, to be a lot because the FBI is saying that since the virus struck, cybercrime is up 75%. We're doing so much stuff online nowadays. And, and now there's the scam to get you to think you've been scammed. Like I'm getting calls now from people claiming they're with PayPal or Apple and your account's been hijacked. My wife's getting all these calls. Are you getting these too? Okay. So, hey, cyber criminals are getting smarter. Skynet is evolving here. And the problem is that our home titles are also kept online as well. That's the most valuable asset investment most Americans will ever have. And they go on there, forge your signature on a quick claim deed, refile as the new owner of your home. You're off the title. You may not know until late payment notices start showing up, maybe even a foreclosure notice. But Home Title Lock, they will protect your home's legal title and they'll put a virtual barrier around it if they detect any tampering whatsoever whatsoever they will mobilize to shut it down but first things first go to hometitlelock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim while you're at hometitlelock.com and then while you're there use the promo code radio for 30 free days of protection that's right 30 free days of protection at hometitlelock.com that's hometitlelock.com Com. Next hour, our Monday town hall, 30 days out from the election. One big thought, one big question that you have. But first, we'll get Bob Vanderplatz's one big thought, one big question. He's here from the family leader. He's out doing get out the vote initiatives right now across the country. Good to see you, brother. How are you? 
Doing really well. How are you doing? Uh, could be a little better, but I could be a lot worse. Let, let's start there. Give us an idea of what you're doing right now, these last 30 days of the election. What are you and the family leader up to? Well, first of all, we're, we're doing a couple things. We have a C3, which is our nonprofit ministry arm. We have a C4, which is an activism arm, basically saying you can vote for this person or that person. And then we have a PAC which is you can give money to a campaign arm. You can work with a campaign where you're in whatever you need to do arm. Uh, and we're doing all of the above. Uh, our biggest effort, though, is to mobilize the church, to vote biblically. We tell people, look higher, think bigger, expect more. We don't tell them vote for Trump or vote for Joni Ernst or vote for Republican Party. But when we're working with the Bible-believing, the gospel-teaching church— Typically, when they mobilize, uh, they're going to vote the right way. We really believe that, and our data proves that to be true. We're doing that in 12 states across the country. Uh, a little bit of an endorsement of the significance of this effort is Vice President Pence coming out to our event on on last week, Thursday. Vice President Pence, Secretary Carson. Uh, we also had Mike Lindell's My Pillow, or My Pillow's Mike, Mike Lindell, as well as Joe Rosenberg out as well. And a great event. And after the Tuesday night debate with President Trump and Joe Biden, most people left that event saying they were filled with hope again. It was refreshing. Uh, and it was an inspiring event. So what we're doing is we're doing C3, get out the vote. We're doing C4. We're directing people where to vote. And we're doing some uh, PAC donations as well, primarily in the state of Iowa, for local races, local candidates, state house, state senate. All right, so look at the. What are, can you tell us what the twelve states are that you are? I can. Right um, so what we can do is Iowa, Ohio, Minnesota, and Wisconsin, New Hampshire, and then Maine. There's that one district in Maine, Indiana. It's Pence's home state. He shouldn't have to worry about there. But also Pennsylvania and Florida, Arizona and Texas. Okay. And and the reason it, the reason we're doing a Texas. Uh, not that we're that concerned about Texas, although some people say you should be. We are building a network in Texas. And one way you build a network, the way you build a movement, is you use a moment. And the moment we're using is the election. So when you look at the states that are going to determine this thing in 30 days, you guys are in all of those states. Pretty much. The ones that really matter the most. All right. Can you give, because you guys were involved in several states in 2016. Not this many, but more. Yeah, we were five. You were in, in five 20, states before, yeah. right? What can you give our audience what you're saying in terms of response? And because what I am fascinated by from a just a, a, a political nerd standpoint is you have this incredible disconnect between polls and voter registration numbers. Sure. The, the voter registration numbers. I mean, I saw some numbers out of Nevada today. OK, I mean, the Republican Party is dominating these numbers now even if you want to give them some cushion or leeway that they were behind in registrations coming out of a, a well they, they they held on to the senate but it was they lost 40 house seats mm -hmm. so um and they lost some governorships so 2018's midterms did not overall overall go well if you want to say that they were behind in registrations coming off a a, a moderate defeat in the midterm elections and so they had some ground to make up totally would buy that but they're like they're like dominating registrations at the precinct level in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Like the numbers are just not even close. Okay, and so I'm I'm trying. 
I, I can go through a lot of these polls and look at their methodology as I've been doing and sure. pointing out that just not Biden may win. It's just not going to be with the methodology in that poll. But there is still a massive disconnect between these voter registration numbers and what is showing up in the polling. So you're on the ground trying to mobilize voters. In Iowa, we had an election where I correctly, to the decimal point, called the outcome of the la- of the 2016 caucuses when mm-hmm. Cruz won. I had the top three order, the, the percentages they all got. But I never thought in a million years that Cruz would win if we actually hit like 180,000 voters that some of these polls were projecting, which is way higher. Mm-hmm. And he still won. So I was way off on the voter registration. And your group had a lot to do with that in registering new first-time voters for the Iowa caucuses. So I want to know what your read is on this disconnect between well, these two data points here. Well, first of all, you know, and I, I all the time try to disconnect my, my head from my gut. And because my gut is telling me one thing, and then you look at other stuff and you go, eh, you know, should I be questioning my gut? The fact is, um, even in the 2016 caucuses, which you referenced, it wasn't so much about registration. It was about mobilization, getting them out to vote. Because right now, even in the evangelical church, George Barnes says 37% of those who are attending church, 37% are registered but not voting. Okay? That's a high number, guys. So if you mobilize even a certain percentage of that, you're going to have a huge impact. And what I'm telling you right now, in these 12 states— Using our Honoring God resources, video, bulletin inserts, talking points, uh, Pandora ads, you name it. We are seeing a church that is excited and passionate about going out to vote. And if that happens, it's going to it's going to make these numbers look like they were off again. Matter of fact, the reason you you were um, you were saying I never thought Cruz could do that at one hundred eighty thousand. Mm-hmm. It's because you thought Trump was bringing all the new voters. Yes. Yeah. The problem is yeah. with that calculation, it was the church that brought the new voters. Right. In twenty sixteen, the reason Pam Pryor, who was Trump's faith coordinator, was doing a happy dance on the uh, Washington D.C. platform that night or the, that next morning on a call to me, was the people of faith flooded the polls. If the numbers are the people of faith are flooding the polls, these these poll numbers are going to be off. It doesn't matter. The national poll doesn't matter. What matters are key state polls. And what matters in those key states is who's turning out to vote, not just who's registered, who's turning out that's registered. So this will be difficult to do because you guys were at the nascent stages of expanding this to other states in 2016. Mm -hmm. And you've been... you have been learning from that experience and planning out further and and more thorough initiatives to turn out voters with four years of a ramp up that you didn't have mm-hmm. when you were doing this in other states in 2016. But can you, with that built in as a handicap that you obviously had four years to prepare for this moment you didn't have four years ago, can you compare what you're seeing from an energy level from in the states that you play, the five states you played in last time, yep. which you're also playing in this time. Can you just look at where you're at in those five states and give us some uh, some well, takeaways? The, from that? the energy level is high. There's no doubt. Um, <laughs> but I would say, you know, there's also Houston. There's a problem. Uh, there's some voters who are part of the Christian gospel, believe in church who just aren't. Uh, th- there's some of them, they're just not going to Trump. They they see it as a character issue. Uh, they believe their witness is being called into check. 
Uh, but there's others who are saying, guys, this is not just two different. This, this is bigger than Donald Trump. This is two different visions of America. What America are we going to live in? Will the gospel go forth? Will lives be saved? Will that? There's a passion there, though. There's a passion to vote. My, my other concern is, Steve, if I have to label it as a concern, is what does mail-in voting do to this election? And not even that it's going to be fraudulent. Okay, I mean, take, take, say that every vote is accurate. It is going to be very easy for some people to vote. That otherwise, it's going to take an actual act of theirs to go vote at the polls. Uh, what we saw in primaries uh, across the country in 2020, uh, those numbers got skewed pretty quickly. Uh, a race that I thought was going to be exceptionally close to a primary, I mean, razor thin, uh, a candidate beats an incumbent by 10 points because of a mail-in, I really believe. And even though I happen to support that candidate— it was the mail-in vote. So that's my other thing about this is that how easy is it? And quite frankly, the Democrats have always been better than Republicans at getting that mail-in vote in. And so that to me is a is a concern you have to weigh as well. So there's got to be voter enthusiasm, but then in the way we vote as well this time has got to be measured into this. So with 30 days out, what's the one big analysis or and or in addition to and or question that you have with 30 days to go well i think you know a little bit uh the conversation we had last week monday before trump went into the debate with biden be presidential keep focused on the issues keep casting a vision of the america that people really want to embrace which is the america that i believe uh most americans want but don't get into a tit-for-tat or a bullying atmosphere because those those people have already made up their mind. They either love that of Trump or they just can't stand it, but don't do that. And so now after this COVID experience that, that he has, and once he gets dismissed on Walter Reed, hopefully today, preferably, but I think he needs to get back on, I am the president and here's the vision for America. And Joe Biden just happens to be in the race. But don't make him the issue because I think – I don't think it's going to help him long term. I think he needs to cast his vision, stay on the promises he made, the promises that he kept, and that he's presidential. And it's the team that I bring with me. I think then he has a real shot to to turn it around. Even some of those voters are saying, I'm not going to go go do that again. I think there's a difference between the two visions of America. How do you think this COVID hospitalization plays into all of well, I, I, I honestly, I think, I think they're going to do everything they can to make it hurt them, to spin it that you didn't take it serious. Uh, you're out holding rallies. You're out doing whatever. Now you got COVID. You all do a, do a joy ride with your secret service around the deal. However, and I think what you're already seeing in some of the Trump's videos, uh, he's coming out with a, a certain amount of humility in this deal too, in regards to how great the doctors are, how great the nurses are, how great his care has been, how great whatever it has been. And having basically now... It's one thing for me to sympathize with you, but it's another thing to empathize with you. Now I'm empathizing because I've had COVID. My wife's had COVID. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You can get that. So Trump's a master at turning things to his favor, so I'm hoping he can do it. But I do know that the main street media uh, and those who oppose him, they're going to do everything they can to hang this around his neck. Todd, what are your thoughts? They're going to do it, but like I said, I, I, there's a desperation that's palpable to me to do, and that they are, they they know what they thought about how things were going four years ago with Hillary, 
And I, I, I think they're terrified that this is a variable that they in the near term may have felt they could control, but that is going to get way out of control. So I, I, they're going to be lashing out. And sometimes when you lash out, it works. There's no guarantee. But I, I, I would not bet on this boomeranging back on them hard. And you're Bob, you're of course, I couldn't stress it's what I said about the debate. It's no different now. The happy warrior from Trump, what we need to be humbled by this, feeling blessed to be an American. We need to see that for a month solid. And Todd, I'd say one more thing, something that we should not overlook. This might be the most consequential vice president debate that we've had in a long time of Vice President Pence versus Kamala Harris. Because a lot of people are going in that poll, not so certain how long. Biden's going to hang in there and be, but Kamala's now here and Vice President Pence in regards to, you know, he's still the right hand man of Trump. I think this is a big debate, as a big, especially with Trump being in the hospital or just recovering from COVID. I think it's a huge debate, this Vice President's debate. Good stuff, Bob. Thank you, man. You bet. God bless. So we do a lot of good things for our dogs, pets, walk them, feed them. But um, and those things are great. Pet them, love on them. But you know what they also need from us uh, is nutrition. And a lot of the food that we are buying for our pets these days at the store is dead as a doornail, man. It is totally sterilized for mass consumption and production. Same thing they do to a lot of our food. That's why we're we humans. We're taking so many supplements these days to put all that good stuff back into our diet. Your pet needs the same things, whether it's vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, pre probiotics, omega oils. And that's where Rough Greens comes in. It isn't a dog food. It's a supplement that you sprinkle on the food your dog already loves. And apparently they'll love it even more. They love the taste of it. My dog Cap loves this stuff. And it's full of the things that will make your dog healthier and happier. And if you want to see, if you don't see a difference in your pet in 14 days or less, get the Rough Greens Jumpstart bag today for just $14.95 and get started. $14.95. That's it for 14 days. When you go to roughgreens.com slash blaze, that's R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's roughgreens.com slash blaze. All right, gentlemen, next hour, we're going to open up the phone lines and talk to the audience. We're looking for your one big thought or one big question with 30 days to go. It's actually 29, but 30 just has a much nicer ring to it. With 30 days to go, 888-900-3393 is the number. I've solicited some of those on social media as well. We'll pick some of those out during the conversation. The two of you are each going to offer a big thought and or a big question, as will I. Um, because there's an alternative to these polls being just in on the media narrative, which, by the way, I believe is true. When I look at their methodologies, they're that sloppy. I believe that they are. But even the two most accurate polls for 2016 had diametrically opposite reactions to the debate last week. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that and and maybe what that could tell us we could be in line for on Election Day. That and more coming your way with Hour 2 next. All right, we're back with Hour 2 live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre. Ooh, just got a little chill. And all of you... 
Is that nefarious? Is that you? That's an interesting look right there. What's that? A little chill? Yeah. Uh, that, that was my, well, I could just make that my Teresa Greenfield impersonation. <laughs> Do you like that? That, that was brutal. <laughs> Enjoyable, but brutal. All right, we're back with hour two. 888-900-3393. That is the phone number here to take part in the Monday Town Hall. 888-900-3393. You can also email the program. Steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show over on Parlor at Steve Dace. And check out our new YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. And the last name is D-E-A-C-E. If you are a podcast listener, thank you. If you haven't done this yet, please click that subscribe button wherever you podcast from. Leave us a five-star review. The more of those we get, the more it helps the show to grow. And that's why we want to thank all of you that have done that for the program already. Our Monday Town Hall this week brought to you by Scoremaster. Did you know that the average American has almost 100 points? that they can access to improve their credit score. They just don't know how. Well, that's where ScoreMaster comes in. It's the new credit science that will help you super boost your credit score. What do we mean by a super boost? We're not talking about a few points. That's weak. ScoreMaster uh, helps their average user improve their score 61 points in 20 days or less. And what you can do if your score goes from the high 500s to the high 600s or the high 600s to the high 700s can change everything about the offers, the interest rates, the approvals that you're looking for, home loans, car loans, refinances, business loans, etc. So ScoreMaster puts you in control of your finances, not the banks. They lay it all out for you in your credit report in a way that you can finally understand it. Here's why you have the score you have specifically. Here's what you can do to get the score you want specifically. Enroll in minutes and see how many plus points ScoreMaster can add to your credit score. Visit scoremaster.com slash Steve. Again, that is scoremaster.com slash Steve. So with 30 days to go, we want to check the temperature of the room. Here is our Monday town hall question for this week. 30 days to go, you get one big point or one big question. And maybe one of each, okay? But one big point, one big question. And it can be analytical, it can be personal, anecdotal, whichever it is. We want to find out where you're at with 30 days to go. What do you see? What do you think? What do you believe? 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. All three of us are going to offer at least one big thought or one big question coming up in this hour as well. But since we've already got people on hold, chomping at the bit to chime in, let's go to the phones. Let's begin in Kentucky with Mike. Mike, 30 days out, one big thought, one big question, go. Hey, my big question is, is what are we going to do when uh, the governors that are running the Democratic states, and I have a Democratic state governor, decide to send a different slate of electors to the Electoral College and refuse to certify, then by the 1887 uh, Election Count Act that put Rutherford B. Hayes into office, we have a situation where the House and the Senate have to decide whether or not to accept electoral voters. And then if they don't do that, and it passes the safe harbor date, the House picks the president and the Senate picks the vice president. I I think... In the year 2020, and thank you for the call, Mike, 
I have no idea what we would do in that scenario, but I also would, would you roll that out? Oh, I know oh, exactly no. what we're going to do. Well, I know exactly what it's going to be. Uh, stupid. <laughs> See, I think that mail order voting is, here's my answer to this. Mail order voting is being pushed by them to avoid having to do things like, you have to understand, lefties don't like to do things in broad daylight. Right? They want some faceless, unelected judge that you can't hold accountable. They want him or her to dictate, you know, by fiat with a universal injunction, some policy that they can't get passed. And then they just, well, I mean, it's the, it's the new law. OK, uh, they want they they love the bureaucracy because they can just pawn it off on the non-governmental agency, the non-governmental organization. Right. It's now they have they have taken they have gone out into broad daylight more of these last few years in the Trump era. There's no question that he has brought them out into the sun. But if they have the option of doing things under the cover of darkness, they always prefer to. And so one way you avoid just an open outright coup where you're openly screwing the people who own all the guns, which is the scenario that Mike in Kentucky is laying out. One way of, to avoid that is you just do mail order voting. Are you going to really challenge 75,000 ballots? You get to challenge 300,000 ballots in four states. How would you possibly do that? Who has legal standing to even bring such a challenge? Blah, 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 blah. You do it like that. And you get the same result, but then you, you avoided having to come right out and say, we're Panama now, right? Yeah. You should do it like that. Well, he, this is part and parcel of my one big thought. It, it is everything he's talking about the press having its uh you know fist on the scale unapologetically jake tapper today is a perfect uh example of that uh vi violence at the polling places uh, as i predicted my my big thing is does it is it already a certainty that this election can and will not be legitimate in any way see i i think and i didn't have time to say this to bob last hour when he brought up his concerns about the mail order thing you have to understand also in the leftist mind, they don't ever walk away from a situation with nothing. If, if they can't get out of, can't get something that benefits their narrative, they just walk away from a situation, right? So uh, that's what's going on with the second stimulus right now is it, it, the, the, the Trump White House is offering them every spending expenditure they could ever want. But, but that doesn't help their narrative. Because it would actually help Trump's narrative that he's right. trying to get us through this and everything else. So there's a bunch of other cockamamie leftist, you know, wish casting issues they want to throw in there that they know Republicans will never go for in order to not get a second stimulus done before the election. Right. OK, they don't if they can't come away with something that advances their narrative, they just do nothing. That's what leftists do. I don't believe there is any way barring the literal hand of God. And I mean it. I don't believe there's any way Donald Trump is winning the popular vote in this election. Anyway, and I don't even think we'll have like a stat like we did from four years ago, where, as I mentioned earlier, if you take California away, Trump won the other 49 states popular vote by well over a million votes. I don't think you'll even have a stat like that. They're not the, the minimum that they're coming away with on Tuesday, November 3rd is that Trump is illegitimate because he lost the popular vote by even worse than he lost it the last time. That is minimum. Minimum. Frankly, I'll be disappointed in them if they don't come out of this with that. Like, 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 like they're not any good at this anymore, and why do we fear these people? They, you know what I'm trying to say? Oh, yeah. Like, they did all of this, and that's 
what you came up with, that's what you got. I, just from a, I mean, I'll be happy, but from a competitive standpoint, I'll be disappointed that we were so worried about these people and they couldn't even manage enough mail order voter fraud to win the popular vote. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the but gap could grow and they could, and Trump could end up winning more states. So I, I think that's the minimum thing. Minimum thing they're coming out of this election with is Trump lost the popular vote again and by even more votes than last time. That's why he, he was never legitimate and they spend the next four years. The Electoral College is, is, is your HMO. The Electoral College is Russia, right? That, that's their, it's the, it's, it's the lightning rod. I don't believe that, I don't believe they're coming out of this election with anything less than that. So you have to start, that, that's where I, my baseline analysis starts from there. Just starts from there. That they're just not coming out with nothing. They don't operate that way. They just control too much media, too much bureaucracy. Swamp's never been drained. They're still, I mean, we, dude, it's Trump's appointee, given Joe Biden is talking points in the last debate on Antifa, that it's not real. It's, a, it's an idea. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's so, you have to understand, that's, that's, their, that's their floor. Their floor is Trump lost the popular vote, and then the next stage by even more than he lost it the last time. They won't, barring a literal act of God, they will not go any lower than that. And it will take an act of God, like signs of like revival for that to occur. That answer your question? It does. Let's go back to the phones. Let's go to John. He is calling from New Jersey. John, welcome to the show. Go ahead, John. One big thought, one big question. Steve, thanks for taking my call. Long-time listener, long-time caller. Uh, used to be John and Clarion, so we've talked several times. Um, listened to you on uh, KXTK, the big ticket, back in 2003. So uh, just wanted to get to my point. The Are Christians and conservatives ready to understand by this point that the people that were marching and singing hosannas to Donald Trump uh, over the weekend as he laid in his hospital tomb, that those people are uh, worshiping a false idol themselves politically, and that if Trump does lose and things do not improve, that we are about to enter into a Jeremiah-like judgment in America, and that that will be the will and hand of God if it does occur. And as Todd would say, what are you then prepared to do to stand boldly without wavering upon the hope that we confess? Thanks for taking my call. Thank I'm you. tired of the scrofulness. Let's start being more bold. All right. Thank you, John, for the call. Wow. Hadn't heard the call letters KXTK in a long, long time. That was the sports talk station, the Iowa Cubs zone that I used to work for. Aaron, your thoughts on John's call? I think that's I think that's a very good point, and and there was a conversation that was recently had off the air, um, just about the overall sentiment of evangelical voters, and and can I just segue this into my my big idea as well? Because it's kind of along a little bit at least along the lines of of what John was saying, as well. What is the profile? What is the makeup of the voter? who pulled the lever for Trump last time, but is not going to this time. Mm -hmm. What does the profile of that voter look like? I don't know. 
I, I don't know. I, I know a heck of a lot more people who did not vote for Trump last time mm-hmm. who are definitely going to. I would be one this of them. This time, I'm one of them. I, I've got friends who, who are, right, let who me, are that let way me try as well. To, let me, let me get, go to your question you just raised, okay? Because a mutual friend of ours told us recently that his sons that are your age yeah. are, are that voter that you just talked about, yeah. okay? That voted for Trump last time and won't this time, okay? Yeah. And so, I don't, it's your generation, what are your thoughts? I mean, how, how I, legion are they? I, I don't know. I, I would say just from my own circle, I, I would say I know more people. I, I actually don't know any people like that. If you, if, if, if grabbing by the hoo-ha was, was bad then, or, uh, but not bad enough for you to go ahead and pull the lever, but the last four years somehow pushed you over the edge. I don't I don't understand that. I don't I get don't, it either. I don't I understand don't. that. I, I don't understand I, that I, at I all. I don't either. And so my big my big thought is I don't believe that really in mass those people exist. I don't really believe that at least enough to influence or sway um, a bit large swaths of the votes this coming uh, e- this coming uh, election. And I would parlay that into this as well. Yes, Hillary Clinton definitely largely usually disliked back in 2016 people don't dislike Joe Biden nearly much as much as they liked or disliked Hillary Clinton on the same token though, I don't see a whole heck of a lot of excitement for Joe Biden. All right. Uh, So I just don't think fundamentally that enough has changed. If grabbing by the hoo-ha was terrible to you, then orange man is probably going to be bad or just it's character flaws is probably not going to be enough for you to vote for him this time. And I think if you thought if you were a Democrat who just hated Hillary Clinton, plugged your nose and voted or were not um, excited for Hillary Clinton last night and didn't end up voting for him, I don't think that you're going to be necessarily that much more excited to vote for Joe Biden this time. Back to the phones we go. 888-900-3393. Sandy is in Virginia. Sandy, welcome to The Blaze. What's your one big thought and or question 30 days out from the election, Sandy? Well, well, I had them ready to go until you said that the Democrats were not going to walk away without anything. And I was wondering, what in the world do you do whenever they're carrying on that they won the popular vote? And they, like you said, they don't walk away. And they're going to keep this going in the media and they're going to convince everybody. And Trump will probably lie down for it. And so will the Republicans. And they'll just walk away because you have Nancy Pelosi already going to Michigan trying to get a whole new slate of electors. And um, you've got voting fraud being enshrined in every state. I mean, we heard this morning on Glenn's show, Catherine Engelbart was on and she mentioned um, there are some states that aren't even requiring a postage um, or the the mailing date on the postage for a mail-in vote or signatures. Uh, my husband and I voted Friday in Virginia. We went to the registrar's office, and one of the people working the poll was coming down the line. It was a huge line, let me tell you. And we heard that the, it, they're lined up every day out there. Um, some per- polling person came down the line and said, okay, to vote, you're going to need either your license or your voter registration card. And my husband looked at her and he said, voter registration card, um, don't you need a photo? And she said, no, that law was changed this year because we have Democrats running the show down here now. And so I'm thinking, 
we're going to have all this fraud, and they're going to carry this on and carry this on until January, and the Republicans never seem to fight for anything. And that's my big concern is yeah. what are we going to do if they get a successful argument? Well, the media will carry the argument for them. Yeah. Thank you for the call, Sandy. You nailed it. Ultimately, if there's not accountability, then human nature will just continue doing what it previously was getting away with. You've incentivized this. I mean, that's just the reality. I mean, that's just the Andrew McCabe now decides when he's going to testify, right? He had to be in a prison cell. He's now like, eh, I'm not testifying now. Well, you know, too many uh, that senators have COVID. I'll do it after the election. Maybe you'll see. Maybe I'll show up. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Peter Strzok's on a barnstorming tour. These guys are traitors. They're traitors. And they would have been treated as traitors to the Republic by the generations that framed, founded, and forged this, this country. They'd have been treated as such. It wouldn't have been tolerated one iota. They would have, we'd have long ago made tar and feathering great again. We'd have made it great again. Why do we need a trial? We'll just handle this ourselves right here. That's, we know how we handle traitors here in the colonies. We know how we do this. We'll deal with it here. Here now. We got this. So I don't know what to tell you. I, 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 I tweeted out this morning. I'm going to do an overtime later today. On, on I, I, At this point, I guess we just need Robert Redfield to tweet something bad about Trump. That appears to be the only way you get fired around here. Not on keep the border open during a pandemic. Keep the border open. You Americans stay in your home so we can bring more people illegals across the border with the virus. I mean, if you lived in Texas, you already had your your business shut down in Dallas and Austin because Hidalgo County on the border had too many COVID cases. That's literally what happened in your state. I don't know what to tell you. I, I don't we don't need a swamp draining. We need a chloroforming. That's this next. See, the the 2024 Iowa caucuses, if Trump wins, are going to start 15 minutes after he wins. If he loses, five minutes. And that's what I'm looking for. Who's got the stomach for a pink slip bloodletting? Bloodletting. That's what I want to say. Because ultimately, guys can have all the positions on the stuff that Trump has been directly empowered to do policy wise. He has been great. But at the slightest opposition from the institutional process, he has done nothing. That's just the reality of the last four years. Joe Biden, last Tuesday, used his own FBI, Trump's own FBI director, Christopher Wray's description of Antifa as a movement, as a talking point. Christopher Ray should be fired. Anthony Fauci should have been fired. Deborah Burks should be fired. Robert Redfield should be worse than fired. He's endangered lives. He was out promoting mail-in voter fraud earlier this year. So I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. I mean, I work in an industry that's made Bill Barr a celebrity for doing what? I don't know. I don't. Do you know what he's done? I know what he has said. What has he done? Do you know what he's done? Anybody? Mm-hmm. Nothing of con- consequence. Nothing. Yeah, that's the He main said a point. lot of cool things. A lot of things we cheered, but what has he done? Nothing. 
Nothing. Well, then he's been the perfect Republican, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, so I don't know what to tell you. That's why I'm concerned about a civil war. Because we don't have a political party that represents us. The institutions are all against us and never are held accountable, even when they're caught red-handed in broad daylight. And, and, and that's why I'm concerned about it. Because sooner or later... Sooner or later, you know, they say in the people's court, don't take the law into your own hands. Take him to court. When you take him to court, you take him to Congress, nothing happens. Nothing. I, I don't know what to say then. I mean, at some point, the people with the guns are like, guess it's on me. I don't want that to happen, guys. But on the path we're on, it will. It's inevitable. So, I, I, Sandy's, everything you said is correct. I don't know what to do about it because we're not a nation of laws and we never have been. We are a nation of political will and we always will be. And for whatever reason, we lack the political will to take off our belts and spank these brats. Or at least the people we elect to. Back to the phones we go. Let's go to Thomas in Arkansas. Thomas, your one big thought, one big question on the election. 30 days out, Thomas, go. Thank you, Steve. Uh, first off, I want to tell you, uh, I'm a veteran of 21 years. I started in the Army during Vietnam. And later get, got out and did a career with the Navy and served in the Gulf. Um, I heard you open up, uh, mentioned open borders a while ago, and that's what I want to talk about. Um, and this is a question for all those women out there that don't think they want to vote for President Trump. Safety and security is probably the, the top two things that women look for. And not only women, but everybody, but uh, especially that voting block. And if you think that uh, you're going to allow these demon rats to come and defund all of our security systems, which includes our military, all the ICE, Border Patrol, uh, the cops, and then you open up the borders, what the hell do you think is going to happen? I know they think this is just about immigration. I got news for you. I can name at least eight countries that hated our guts that would like nothing better than to have our borders open so they can just roll in, rape, pillage, and burn, and take every damn thing we want. And it's people like me that went out there and stood to keep that way. And I'll tell you what. It is going to be a civil war, and guys like me are packed and ready, so they better be careful. Thank you for your service, Thomas. I, I can't fault your frustration at all. I can't. I, I, I just can't. I don't. I, I don't understand the mindset that I don't like what somebody tweeted in 2017, so I'm totally fine with my country getting invaded. I just, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And you know what? I don't want to. I don't. I, I don't understand it. I, I just don't get it. I don't. But I've heard it. So let's go next to Mary Ellen in South Carolina. Mary Ellen, welcome to the program. What's your one big thought question on the election with 30 days to go? Actually, I'm not in South Carolina. I'm in British Columbia, Canada. Oh, my bad. I misread the... It was right on my screen. I misread it. I'm sorry, Mary Ellen. Go ahead. No problem. Um, 
an observation of the Supreme Court of Michigan ruled against Governor Whitmer, and she's decided she's just going to ignore the court and find ways to work around it and get her own way anyway. And Republicans tend to roll over when the court speaks. That's just an observation. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wish Republicans did a little more standing up to courts when they're clearly not behaving properly. Um, The one thing that I think Trump could do to turn the COVID narrative toward his direction, uh, last week, Biden talked about being in, he was there to keep the American people safe. Trump said, I'm here to help the American people open up and be free again. Um, Now that he has had COVID, I think that's an even more poignant argument, and he can make it. If he can make it happily, you know, do do your best to stay safe, but recognize that life has risks, and we're Americans, and we can take risks, and um, we don't want bad things to happen, but when they do, we can rise above them, and we're not going to cower in our homes afraid. And if he can make that point, I think there are still people who will resonate with it. Although I must say that there are people that I know who, no matter what Trump did, they have such a visceral hatred for him that that there is absolutely nothing he could do. If he guaranteed world peace for the next millennium, they would still vote against him. Trump derangement syndrome is a real thing. All right. Thanks for the phone call, Mary Ellen. Uh, appreciate that. Just a quick, quick, my understanding of what's happened in Michigan is the state Supreme Court ruled seven to nothing that the 1945 act that Governor Whitmer was basing her uh, dictates on was unconstitutional. And then the court ruled four to three over whether to have ruled four to three on a partisan. So bipartisan. The three Democrats, there's four Republicans, three Democrats on the Michigan Supreme Court. Uh, they all ruled unanimously, including the Democrat Chief Justice, that the act that she was basing her dictates on was unconstitutional. And then, the, and then there was a four to three vote on whether that applied directly to her orders and made them unconstitutional. And that was a partisan vote. Okay, that her orders therefore unconstitutional. It is true that she has said, well, they're still in place for the next 21 days anyway, and they'll just enforce them by another means. However, this I think it was this morning or yesterday, her attorney general came out and said she will not be enforcing any more of the governor's COVID orders. Um, after the Supreme Court opinion, and and that was Governor Whitmer's own appointee. So. I think that's where the last I heard of where things stand in Michigan. Aaron, you have some thoughts. Yeah, I tend to agree with Mary Ellen uh, from British Columbia. And that was one of the points that I was trying to make on Friday. If you're Trump, especially having been admitted to the hospital now, and and maybe you're coming back out today, but you're going to come out shortly. And throughout the entire process, we, we never really heard a death rattle from you. You sounded and looked uh, pretty pretty great the whole time. Uh, we weren't with him every moment. Why wouldn't you use this episode? Why wouldn't you use this episode to further your narrative on the lockdowns? Because as as I said before. 
you're in the most at-risk age group, you're slightly obese, you have all of the markings that we've been told uh, for the last five months, you should be dead right now. You should be dead right now, despite the leftists uh, actually claiming for, clamoring for you. If everything they've panic-porned and panic-mongered about this virus is true, uh, you and everyone else should be a, a smoldering pile of ash. And yet here you are, bouncing out of the hospital two, three days later. That sh you should use that to the max of uh, the maximum ability that you have. And I think, how do you message that? You said, you, 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 you say, um, hey, I had this virus. It was not fun. It, take it seriously. Take all the precautions that you need. But man, um, I was doing work while I was in the overall office, not or while I was in the hospital, nothing strenuous. You know, life has to go on. And I'm, I'm fighting for you, for those of you who have pressed on through this difficult. Why wouldn't you use that? A, a message of sanity. I, I totally agree with that. You can totally turn this, use this to turn the narrative on, on the virus. Furthermore, name a building in America that has a better filtration system and higher security than the White House does. Can you, can you name a place? I hope not. Who, who, is, who has more security than the President of the United States in this country? No one. No one does. Our mitigation efforts Clearly. don't work. Okay, the, the, the governor of Virginia, who's a doctor with his perfect lockdown, couldn't stop himself from getting COVID. The president with the best security in, in the country couldn't stop it. Our mitigations don't work. The best we can do is is to try to protect the most vulnerable age groups and pre-existing conditions. But our mitigation yeah. efforts work to do nothing other than accomplish self-ruin, period. The president should be saying that as well. More in a moment. You know, trying to sell your home is challenging. That's why you need a real estate agent who's going to come in, take charge of the situation. If you're going in in such an uncertain time, unprecedented times, maybe you've heard that. Maybe you haven't heard. Have you guys heard? These are unprecedented times. Have you heard? A little bit. Okay. If you're going in, make sure you go with an agent who is all in for you. Now, where will you find that agent? I know a guy or a gal. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com. The name kind of says it all. Every agent that's there has a track record of success that has been proven and vetted. Otherwise, they wouldn't have the benefit of being listed. Because it's not like they're going to tell you right on their website, uh, you can't trust me. Uh, I don't have a great work ethic. If I can't sell your home fast, I get bored and moved on. They're not going to say that out loud. Right? They don't say the quiet part aloud on their, on their agent website and profiles. Well, they, they, they do say that, though, at realestateagentsitrust.com, almost anywhere in the country. We can help you find an agent that you can trust at realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, we're going to get some social media reaction here in a second. We're going to get some uh, of more of our phone calls as we continue 30 days out. What's your one big observation your one big question todd you already shared yours aaron have you shared yours yet my big question or observation 30 I, days out i've shared an observation i still have a question all right what's your question what really is the purpose of public polling now there's we we talked about the real reason or the right reason mm -hmm. there's a real reason and a right 
or there's a real answer and there's a right answer. The the right answer is that we're trying to to take a uh, like we're we're doing right now. We're trying to take the temperature of the room. What is the real answer to that question? I, I think once and for all, at least in this era in America, this election will really shed some light on that. Because for from all of the the work and research that we've done looking into the polls so far, good lord. Um, they're either going to be really, really right or really, really, really wrong come November 3rd. I have a, 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 a question that could become an observation. Two polls last week that were the two most accurate in 2016. Uh, number one was Rasmussen. Number two was Investors Business Daily. And they had dramatically different post-debate reads. Dramatically different. Rasmussen's tracking poll the day after the election gave Biden an eight-point lead. I'm sorry, the day after the debate. Gave Biden an eight-point lead the day after the debate in Rasmussen. Investors Business Daily came out with the first debate poll that was totally of both likely voters and strictly post-debate. And it had the race narrowing to a statistical tie. I would think it was Biden plus three. So within their margin for error. Now, these were the two most accurate polls in 2016. How do you reconcile that? Well, given how accurate they were in 2016, I'm not going to lump them in with NBC News's scam or whatever narrative casting they're doing and calling it polling. Okay, I think these are people that are trying to get an accurate snapshot. Here's what that then tells me. Yes, to follow up on what Aaron is saying, there's a large group of people using polling now to promote and perpetuate their own political narrative. That's pretty obvious. And they work in the media. But amongst those that are trying to get it right, this tells me they, that we have a very destabilized turnout model. They're struggling to find out who's actually going to show up on election day. When the two most accurate polls from four years ago and one of the candidates running was on the ballot four years ago. So they, they've already shown an ability to buck the trend and identify his electorate, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's how they got to be so accurate in 2016 when everybody else was not. And now they're coming back a month before the election and, and one has Biden plus eight and the other one has the race margarine, mar, uh, narrowing to a statistical tie nationally. That tells me that the, the actual model of who will turn out is very much in flux. And remember what I've always told you. Elections are not won by winning a majority of the vote. Elections are won by winning a majority of those who actually vote. Know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that tells me that it's it's very unstable identifying which groups come out and which groups do not. So that's my big question that turned into my big observation. Let's go back to the phones. Let's uh, begin with uh, part two with Tom in Tennessee. Tom, your one big observation and or question 30 days out. Tom, go ahead. Welcome to the blaze. All right. Thanks very much. The the uh, the question you just put on the table about the uh, all the polls looking to see who in the heck is going to show up is kind of in the area that I'm thinking. My observation is that there seems to be a trend toward uh, fearing downtown Portland at every single polling station as possible. We don't know what they're going to do. We don't know who's going to show up, who, who, uh, what bad guys are going to show up, and how they'd handle that. And there's 3,000 counties in the United States, and every one of them's probably got 
I don't know, 30 to 50 polling places. So you probably heard over 200, well over 200,000 places where people go vote. So, and I just heard about a, uh, a group that's being shepherded toward the border that'll arrive in the southern United States approximately on November 3rd. Isn't that a coincidence? So the question is, what could we do to help control that? And, you know, what do we do if, if we have many, many little downtown Portland's? Because it's, it's not very easy to handle that. But I actually have an idea about a solution from a buddy of mine who's a, a vet and a technologist. So, But I want to see what you guys thought, too. No, no solution or process is relevant until there's a will to deploy it. It's just a blog. It's just a plan. A plan is only as good as its execution. If there's not an ability to, or even in, in most of the cases when it comes to the Republican Party, a willingness to execute a plan, then it, it's irrelevant. So... I'm, I'm sure your buddy has a great plan, but there's no point in hearing it unless your buddy knows of who would actually execute it because that's what you're into. I mean, most of you, you know this. That's why the last two candidates standing four years ago were the two candidates, Trump and Cruz, that the system hated the most because you knew this. You're on your own. Calvary isn't coming. Look in the mirror. You know, so... here's the plan. Find people that would do it and then find the people who would do it and then tell me what the plan is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Find the people who would do it and then tell me what the plan is. Like I would take, if you got a good plan, take it to somebody like Ron DeSantis in Florida. He's in a key battleground state. He's shown some propensity to have some will to do some of these things and see what he would do with it. But ultimately, if people aren't willing to do it, like you can, you can have, hey, we're going to storm these five beaches. The Nazis are never going to see. If, if you don't have hundreds of thousands of young men willing to do that, then it doesn't matter. It's not a, it, the, the plan isn't what made it a great moment in history. The men willing to execute it was. That's what made it great. Who will do it? And the Lord looked to and fro and said, whom shall I send? And Isaiah the prophet stands up and says, here I am, Lord, send me. Who is willing to be sent? Who? That's the key. Back to the phones we go. Colleen in North Carolina. Welcome to the blaze, Colleen. Go ahead. Hi, good afternoon. Hello, good afternoon, gentlemen. Thank you. Um, so... <laughs> I voted third party last election. I planned on voting third party this time as well. I'm not so sure now. In fact, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be reconciling my decision as I go to the polls this time. And um, to kind of paraphrase the Princess Bride, um, only a great fool reaches for what's in front of them. I'm not a great fool, so I cannot choose the wine in front of you, etc. <laughs> and um, as we all know, both glasses were poisoned and the guy still ended up dead. So <laughs> my question is, how big of an impact will a third party vote have on this election in particular? How critical is it? Because I definitely don't want Biden, but I'm still trying to reconcile a, a Trump vote. 
Well, so, um, I don't think third party <laughs> voter. There, I don't think there's a, a third party candidate that is relevant this time. The, um, the no party voter is the one who's relevant. The yes. one who just does not decide to show up. Yep. Let me let me say this, Colleen. I, I don't argue against people's conscience unless your conscience said, hey, I should molest children, then I will argue with you. OK, but when we're talking about an area that is a matter of, of obviously personal conviction and not divine law, I, I'm not here to argue with anybody's conscience. And I've I have certainly taken the conscientious objector route throughout most of my career. This is actually the first time since I have been doing this full time. I've been on the air advocating for the Republican nominee to win the presidential election because the last three Republican nominees I didn't vote for. And most of my audience hated me for it. Didn't move me one iota. Did I ever did I ever like second guess my decision all the way at any point in 2016? No, you prospered nope. all the more, hired some new employees, yeah, rolled just, with it. So if, if, if I'm willing to defend a conscientious objection, I will do it to the end, and it won't matter how many hate mails or firing threats I get. won't change me. In this case, um, I think he's done enough. Because here's the thing with me. The character concerns for me were an issue with Trump because he had no record. I, I had, he had done nothing. He'd done literally nothing. I can't, he wasn't involved in any conservative organizations or helping us on any level at all. Just this guy just ran for president and we were just now supposed to believe him. Nah, no thanks. I'm out. Not doing that. Particularly given, because that is when your character issues come into play. Okay. Now, Mitt Romney's been married to the same man his entire time. He's also, he also lied to you for eight years while he was running for president about his record, hell about his name. He literally lied about his name, okay? It's Willard, Mitchell Romney. He lied about that. Lied about his name, lied about his record. But hey, it was okay because he only tapped one chick for 40 years, so I guess it was okay that he lied to us this entire time. But that's kind of the argument, right? Yes. Um, I mean, John McCain it just did more damage to you if you're a conservative no singular politician in recent american history has done more damage to you than john mccain did just knifed you every chance he could in the senate used every senate procedure everything he could to kill you um and oh by the way this was his second wife so the character concerns for me come into play for trump when there's no record but now i've seen him perform so, I, I, you know, on the issues, has he done as much as I would like? No, but my bar is pretty high. But he's earned my vote on those issues. And, and, and so, the moral, for me, the moral calculus changes now that he has an actual record. And I said the same thing. If Romney and McCain had gotten elected and done things I liked, I'd have wholeheartedly supported in the next election. Because in the end, I'm about what you do. Not what you tell me, not what you say, or you tell me what you believe. What do you do? Show me the fruit on the tree. So that's the way the moral calculation works for me. You have to make your own decision. Um, and, and ultimately, just remember, though, the consequence, there will be consequences for that decision. And that's not a lesser of two evils argument, because everything's the lesser of two evils, and then nothing is. It's the understanding that a major American political party has openly announced themselves as communists openly and that the result of your conscientious objection will be the bolshevik revolution openly see they didn't do this in 2016 
Remember their convention? They're handing out constitutions and declaration of independences. Remember that? Yep. The crazy stuff like what they did in this convention, they didn't do any of that stuff four years ago. That's what made me so mad. We were like handing it over to them. We were giving them our talking points. They were taking it from us. This time, it's the musical Reds. They're just doing it out in the open, man. This one have Warren Beatty, so we're going with Joe Biden instead as the lead. So understand that will be the practical consequence of sitting out is that you are tacitly assenting to an open Bolshevik incursion against your country. Maybe you're still okay with that, and that's okay too. I'm just saying there's a lot of talk one way about the calculus. How do I justify the vote? How do I defend this with Trump and defend that? Those are all valid conversations. I've had all those conversations. But we seem to not do want to have the conversation the other way. Just you, you, Hey, I didn't want to have to tell my kids I voted for a serial philanderer who, who lies on his Twitter account. Okay. Have you thought, I didn't want to tell my kids that because the guy tweets bad stuff, I let the country get taken over run by communists. Have you considered that moral calculus? How come it only works one way? Because I kind of think it works both. Aaron, did you want to chime in? I would just add, no matter, no matter what the math is in your head, in your conscience, never let any step of the way, though, be dominated by any measure of fear whatsoever. That's, that's what I would say. Concern, yes. Would I rather? Uh, yes. You can put those into your calculations. Uh, never, never, like true fear. Don't let that come into your calculations. Totally agree with that. Self-awareness. Listen, if Joe Biden wins, uh, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get up the next day and I'm going to fight for the same causes and the same principles that I was fighting for the day before. And you know what if Trump wins? The exact same thing. So that's, I'm not, I mean, we may get the Bolshevik revolution anyway. That, I don't know. And I would like okay? to say, that's, don't let fear enter your, into your equation. That cuts both ways. Fear, I don't, you know, I, I, I fear Bolshevik revolution. I fear telling my kids that I, I voted for Donald Trump. Don't let fear either way enter into your equation. That's well said. Looking at a lot of the social media, a lot of it's about voter fraud, uh, polling, some of the, a lot of the, the conversations that we've already had here on the show. We've got callers on hold. I don't have time to be fair to another one. I apologize. You guys have any final thoughts you want to air here in the minute we have about left here? Uh, about 50 seconds left. Well, I think most of the people are where I'm uh, at, a sense of concern about legitimacy. Uh, and so when, when, that, when th- that's an uncontrollable in many respects for even... Uh, Steve is about the only one at that level who might be able to uh, put his thumb on the scale to help that. With with that being the case, just make your first things your first things and be not afraid like these two gentlemen just said. Well said. We're going to stick around. We're going to do the overtime. Um, on what does somebody have to do to get fired around here? And we present to you the curious case of CDC Director Robert Redfield. For Blaze TV subscribers, blazetv.com slash dace. That's where you can also go to subscribe at a discount. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.